Welcome to another episode of That's Some Crazy Shit with Kelly and James. My name is Kelly and my co-host is Mr. James. James. That's me. <laughs> Mr. James. Guess what? Uh, we have another guest. You are getting so good at this game. I'm going to have to switch it up one day. But yes, as always on that Some Crazy Shit, we have a guest that's going to bring us some crazy shit. And I actually really, really am looking forward to today's guest. His name is Harry Hart Brown, and he has a YouTube channel called Holy Mackerel Moments. Close to kind of what we're doing over here, you know, doing that some crazy shit. Yeah, but he does it with video. Yeah, and he's more about synchronicities, saying what you always say, James, which is... There are no coincidences. There are no coinkadinks. So he's come today to kind of share some holy mackerel moments with us and unshamelessly plug his YouTube channel. Hey, that's cool because when someone invites us on their show, we're going to unshamelessly plug our channel too. I'm glad he's plugging it. He should because I think he is a fantastic storyteller. And once you guys are done listening to us, you should go check out him. So what do you think? Should we just go ahead and do it? Let's do it. Welcome to the podcast. YouTuber of Holy Mackerel Moments, Harry Hart Brown. So thank you, Harry, for being with uh, Kelly and I on our podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed listening to your shows. Oh, I'm glad. Thank well, you. how many no. did you listen to? Well, <laughs> one. Yeah, I'm, I'm one or two. One. <laughs> but I listened to the whole damn thing. Well, Pardon me. We appreciate it. We appreciate we do. it. <laughs> well, I wanted to get in the mood for today. So what caught my eye was your interview with Wajid Hassan. Oh. The mystic, yogi mystic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I'm high as a damn kite because he kept saying, people don't know how to pray. And Kelly said, well, how do you pray? And he said, <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, usually our hands are clasped and we're leaned over, but we're, you know, closing off the energy when we do that in the conventional way. And he suggested opening the heart chakra, the palms, the crown, and beaming through the white light. So I've been doing that all morning, and now I'm high as a kite from all the white light. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so, so, go ahead, right, James. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So, you know, the name of the show is That's Some Crazy Shit. Yeah. So why don't we tell our listeners what crazy shit brings you with us? Well, ever since I was little, I was really intrigued by the phenomenon of synchronicity. When it happened in my life, I would get so excited. I'd go up to the grown-ups. I'd go, look, this happened. And then that happened. And like they're connected, kind of. And the grown-up would go, oh yes, that's called a coincidence. And they'd move on. And I thought, yeah, that's just a coincidence. But I, I thought it was a bigger deal than most people around me did. I thought it was really cool. I think the first time I experienced anything out of the usual, 
and it wasn't so much a coincidence as contact with guidance. There was a lot of upheaval in my home growing up, a lot of friction and tension. I needed peace. And one day I was on the front porch and a bird flew over my head and it was like a physical force pushing me and a voice in my head going, follow it, follow it, follow it, follow it, follow the bird, follow the bird, follow the bird. I went, wow, right already. (laughs) It went across the road and I followed it into this wooded area where I'd never been before. And there was this like clearing with beams of sunlight coming through the trees and a little stump, a tree trunk stump for me to sit on. It was so peaceful. It was like a Disney movie. I thought, oh, this is my safe refuge. This is where I can go to get peace. And it wouldn't have happened if someone hadn't said, follow it, follow it, follow it. Right. It's so, funny. I, I think I say this every, once, once a week to Kelly. There are no coincidences. You know, things happen yeah. for a reason. They really yeah. do. They so, do. Yeah. So, Harry, your interest in, in um, things that are, you know, Synchronicity, as said, did it? Yeah, thank you. Synchronicity, did it prompt <laughs> you to write a book? No. Or did it prompt you to like teach it, or you know, do you tell people about it? Like, how do you how get the word out about it? Like, how do you get the yeah? How do you get the message out? I've been a compulsive storyteller since I can remember. I would go to day camp in the summer times, and I would act out the previous week's Twilight Zone for all my scared friends. I made it as scary as I could. Oh my gosh. Uh, And then when I started noticing synchronicity, I added that to the mix. I think the first officially synchronistic thing I was aware of was in grade school. And two best friends sat in front of me in homeroom class, Bob and Gary, and they burst out laughing. They'd been whispering to each other. I said, what? And they told me what they were laughing about. Apparently, just prior to that, they had sat down, looked at each other, and said, I had the weirdest dream last night, in unison. Bob told his dream. He had been at a carnival walking down the midway with rides and games of chance, but he was hungry, so he stopped at a food stand and ordered an egg salad sandwich. He got his sandwich, took a bite out of it, put it down, looked around, went back, the sandwich was gone. His friend Gary was staring at him, with his jaw dropped. And Bob said, what? And Gary said, my dream was that I was in my basement and it was empty except for a refrigerator. And when I opened it up, there was nothing in it except an egg salad sandwich with a bite out of it. So I I ate it. Bob said, you ate the rest of my sandwich. (laughs) But I went, whoa, that is too cool for word. That is some crazy shit. I probably actually thought that those words at that age and so i that planted the seed and i've been looking for them and celebrating them ever since so how it manifests now kelly is um i have a youtube series called holy mackerel moments it had originally been i was just sitting in front of my front door uh telling true stories that intrigued me and i posted them on youtube called them amazing true stories And I mentioned it to a friend of mine whom I hadn't spoken to in 30 years. We were having a catch-up call. And I told her about that. She said, oh, that's cool. Why why don't you make it a thing? I said, what's a thing? She said, well, you know, develop a catchphrase and a logo and a catchy name for it. Well, I came up with Holy Mackerel Moments. 
And because I'm an actor, I had an agent who taught me how to do self-tapes because of COVID. And so I had to download an uh, editing program and learn how to lop off the beginning and the end of my little audition tapes. But that planted the seed for my love of editing. And when I started doing a pizzazzy version of Amazing True Stories called Holy Mackerel Moments, I thought, damn, I can add video clips for our short attention span culture and make really like full of bells and whistles and shiny things. And um, I, I kind of love uh, retro stuff being a baby boomer. So a lot of the clips I add are old fashioned things, but but just fun as heck. And they kind of, I don't want them to detract from the story, but hopefully they kind of enhance it and they work together well to make an entertaining yet thought provoking offering. So where do you get like your stories from? Yeah, where do you get the stories from? Oh, you name it. I read, uh, kids tell me them. I experience them myself. You want to hear some of my top favorites? Yes. Oh, heck yeah, definitely. Deirdre was four years old. Deirdre loved nothing more than to watch the Little Mermaid movie on the video, back when they had videotape with her father. Every night, he'd say, what do you want to do? She said, I want to watch the Little Mermaid again. He said, we watched it last night and the night before. She said, I know, I want to watch it again. So they'd always watch it. That was their bonding time together. Very special for both of them. Her father died suddenly of an illness. Deirdre was inconsolable. She stayed in her room. Her mother didn't know what to do. She wanted to distract her yet not negate her grief. So she got an idea. She said, Deirdre, Deirdre, why don't we go to Kmart and pick up one of those helium balloons and send a balloon up to heaven and maybe daddy will get it. <gasps> she got so excited. So they went to Kmart and she of course chose a Little Mermaid balloon, brightly colored Disney Little Mermaid. And she and her mother wrote a note to whoever might find it, explaining about the father in heaven and birthdays. Her father's birthday was coming up. And so was hers the month after that, all this stuff. Put in an envelope, sealed it in protective plastic, tied the whole thing to the string of the balloon and released it from their backyard in Lone Pine, California. At one point, they watched it till it disappeared and Deirdre said, Mom, I think I saw daddy just grab it up into heaven. She said, oh, good, honey, good. Weeks went by, father's birthday happened, no response. Her birthday happened, no response. Then, then she just really withdrew and spent all of her time in her room because she kept saying to her mother, when's daddy gonna answer our balloon? And it didn't happen. Until one day in the mailbox was a package addressed to Deirdre with a note for her and a note for the mother. And the note to Deirdre said, you know, hey honey, we found your balloon and we know how much you miss your daddy. We're not sure they have stores in heaven, but we know because you both love the Little Mermaid so much that he would want you, he would want you to have this. And we bought it for you for a late birthday present. Happy birthday. And it was a Little Mermaid book. She lit up like a Christmas tree. Daddy is alive and he's watching over me. And he had these people buy this book for me. And she, her depression lifted. The note to her mother from the same people explained <laughs> how they found the balloon. It didn't float a few miles away or even a few states away. It floated over 2,500 miles away across the United States, landed in Prince Edward Island. 
The couple who found it that morning were driving to the bay. Halfway there, they changed their mind and said, you know what, let's go to the lake instead. Made a U-turn, went to the lake, got out of the car, enjoyed the peaceful surroundings. Then they saw something shiny in a bush. It was the mylar of the balloon. They found the balloon and so on. But here's the clincher. The balloon was found stuck in a bush at the edge of Mermaid Lake in the town of Mermaid. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, that's not a coincidence. I guess not. No. Wow. And then you wonder who directed the wind to put it there. Right. You know, I mean, the, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what you, like, what caused them to say, let's go to the lake. You know, why yes. did they, why did they go the direction they went, you know, and, there's it just yeah there's no coincidence <laughs> tell us uh, another one huh tell us another one okay i love the showbiz ones being an actor and living in hollywood or near hollywood i you know these things that come together um are you guys familiar with the original movie the wizard of oz yes oh yeah yeah good do you remember after judy garland sings over the rainbow she runs away from home because gulch that horrible woman was after Toto for digging up her garden. So she runs away and she comes to a man in the woods. He has a trailer and he's roasting a hot dog and Toto grabs it off the stick and Toto, that's not polite. We haven't been asked yet. And the man says, oh, rah, rah, rah. and on the trailer, it says, uh, Professor Marvel, um, uh, magic, po no, healing elixir and fortune teller. And so he brings her into the trailer and puts on a turban, says, I'll tell your fortune. He gets out a crystal ball. He says, close your eyes. <laughs> and while her eyes are shut, he rifles through her basket and finds a picture of Auntie M and goes, oh, I see a older lady with a polka dot dress. She misses someone dear to her, a younger person who's perhaps run away. <laughs> he put two and two together. She says, that's Auntie M. She misses me. I have to go. And then she runs away just as the cyclone hits. Victor Fleming was the director of that film, and he made it very clear to the wardrobe people he wanted everything pre-cyclone in uh, Kansas to be stark and barren and black and white and bleak so that it would contrast dramatically with Oz and Munchkinland and Emerald City, which is bright technicolor. And similarly, he wanted the costumes to reflect that. He said, I don't want you to create stuff in wardrobe for these farmers on the Kansas farm. I want you to go to every secondhand store, thrift store, used clothing store in Los Angeles and bring me back real farm clothes for the farmhands and Uncle Henry and Auntie M. Now for Professor Marvel, of course he wasn't a farmer, he was a city slicker, but he's a little down on his luck. His glory days have passed. So for him, I want a costume that's grandeur gone to seed elegant but now faded it's a very specific look so the wardrobe people said okay and they came back with racks of hundreds and hundreds of jackets for the professor marvel character fleming went through each one with a fine tooth comb and he found himself continually coming back to one particular jacket it was a prince albert jacket it was very elegant but the collar was slightly frayed the black broadcloth was now a strange tint of green because it was so old. And he said, this is the look I want. I hope it fits the actor. Frank called him Frank Morgan, who not only played Professor Marvel, he played the wizard himself and four or five other characters in the movie. He came, the jacket fit him perfectly. 
And they said, that's it. That's the one we'll use. And that's the one we see in the movie. Here's what happened. During a day of shooting, the lights were very hot and <laughs> and there was no makeup person close by to dab his forehead to get the perspiration off. So Frank Morgan reached in the pocket of the jacket. There was a handkerchief. He dabbed himself and was about to return the handkerchief to the pocket when he saw he pulled the lining out when he took out the handkerchief and sewn to the lining was the name tag of the original owner of the jacket. And the original owner of the jacket was L. Frank Baum, the man who wrote The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> wow. That is crazy. Oh, yeah. It's not some crazy shit. That, that is. is really crazy. <laughs> I know. They couldn't believe their eyes, and they got a letter from Baum's widow, who was still alive, and the tailor of the jacket who made the jacket, confirming that it had belonged to L. Frank Baum years before. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, that no. is incredible. Tell us another one. <laughs> oh, let me check my notes. <laughs> well, um, I love Lucy. Oh. I love Lucy. After school. <laughs> yep, yep, me too. <laughs> um, she and Desi had were really put through the ringer to sell their sitcom to the network. Um, they didn't believe a Cuban man would make a believable husband for the, you know, fair redhead, you know, but they were in love and they were talented and they knew they had something. So to prove that audiences would buy this couple, they toured the United States with the vaudeville show doing sketches and they got huge rave reviews and they showed that to CBS. I think it was CBS. They said, okay, we'll give it a try, but they were still very reluctant and hesitant. The law required that they get insurance to cover the show. It was very expensive and CBS would not spring for the insurance. If you want to do this project, you buy the insurance. They didn't have the money. And the only conceivable way they could pay for it would be to mortgage their house and put it up. And they knew if the show failed, they would lose their house and they'd have to go back east and forget their Hollywood dream. Backtracking to Lucy's MGM days before they even thought of a TV show. She made movies at MGM and one of the women she really looked up to is Carol Lombard, who is a glamorous, very gifted blonde beauty of an actress who is very gifted in comedy. She was about 10 years older than Lucy and Lucy really looked up to her. She was married to Clark Gable. In World War II, Carol Lombard was in a plane to sell war bonds to support the effort and the plane crashed and she died suddenly in the plane crash. Now let's go back to Lucy and Desi tearing their hair out over, do we put the house up or not to buy this insurance? They stewed over it night after night and they had to make a decision soon. And Lucy had insomnia, she was tossing and turning. She finally fell asleep one night and the moment she did, Carol Lombard walked into her bedroom. She said, I knew I was dreaming because Carol had died six years earlier, but I adored this woman. So I paid attention when she sat on the foot of my bed and looked at me. And in my dream, she said, Lucy, it's not a problem. Sign the papers. You'll never regret it. Go ahead with the show. Sign the contract for the mortgage, for the loan, for the series. And she woke up, said, Desi, we're going to do it. We're going to take the leap of faith. We're going to do it. 
and they signed all the papers and the rest is history. But we wouldn't have I Love Lucy without Carol Lombard coming to Lucy in that dream. And, and just a side note, we wouldn't have Star Trek because their production studio, Desilu, did Star Trek. No kidding. Yeah. And here's another wow. thing about Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry said that he got Star Trek from somebody who channeled. So Stop it. He was at a channel session with three people. One was the scribe, one would ask the questions, one was the channel, and the whole Star Trek idea came from this channel. That's where he got the idea. Oh my God. So yeah, how about that? Talk That's about synchronicity. Crazy. We all knew something about <laughs> something. Yes. <laughs> Where did you hear that? That's that should be bigger news. People um, should know about that. I had I I followed this other podcast I used to, and I cannot think of the guy's name, but he talks about all types of all things kind of spiritual. And one of the uh, things he talks about is the channelings of a of an entity called Ra. And Ra uh, was channeled by three people. It was a man, two men, and a woman. I can't think of any of their names right now. But in one mm -hmm. of their channeling sessions they talked about all the things that we talk about in Star Trek. Um, <clears throat> the Federation of Planets. Um, all of these ideas, all of these things is, were things that Ra had talked about as being real things. And Gene Roddenberry just happened to be there and wrote them down. And voila, we have Star Trek. Wow, that yeah. is very cool. You know, and a lot of people, when I used to do another podcast, a lot of people would say when they would write, they would just get in a download of information and just start writing, right? It yeah. just comes to them. And yeah. that to me is kind of the same thing as a channel or a download or whatever, but it's kind of interesting how the things that you have experienced, like the thing with Lucy is almost like the same thing. She got this download, this information and told mm -hmm. her to go do something and she went and did it. It's kind yeah. of cool. You know, oh, I mean- really? Do you think that people, do you think that um, most people just don't notice these yeah. synchronicities in life? Oh, yeah. I, I thought you were going to say, do they not notice when they're channeling? Which I also think a lot of people don't because it can be very subtle. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've never been. Have you, you have know, you ever, do you ever think you've channeled before, yeah. Harry? Do you? Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a certain kind like i've been to events where there's an official channeler and so and so speaks through them i've never done that to my knowledge but i had a friend who was rather psychic and she did channel i said what about me she said what i'm getting is that you do channel when you act you channel when you write and you channel when you give advice to friends hmm. but you don't channel another entity per se except if you want to call it your higher self that's who you channel is the more wise part of you. But that was, yeah. Now, but that wasn't your question. Oh, oh, do they not notice the synchronicities? I think once you point them out, they become more aware and then they give it more importance and take more delight in it. And that draws to them more synchronicities. You know, the whole thing, what you focus on expands. Like I told a group of kids once um, about a dream a friend of mine had and in his dream, it was just a still picture of the earth beneath him. He was above it in this picture. He saw grass and stuff, and he, but it was so powerful, he woke up. It woke him up, he thought, what the heck was that? 
That day, he was doing a roof repair, slipped, fell off the ladder. On his way down, he saw that picture from his dream, had the presence of mind to turn his body and land on his side where he wasn't as badly injured. Then as if it was all new to him and he didn't have time to think, he would have landed right on his face. So the dream prepared him and helped, you know, helped him. It's like, oh, I see that. I saw that last night. I, I, you know, I've done that. Now what do I do? Oh, turn my body. It all happened so fast. Right. And I told that to a bunch of kids and a boy came up to me afterward and said, I dreamt I tripped once. I tripped and fell down. And the very next day I tripped, but I didn't fall down because my dream prepared me. I caught myself in time. <laughs> See, kids know things that adults just don't, don't pick up on. Oh, I know. I had one kid. Oh, my God. There's a greatest book called The Boy Who Saw True. And it's the actual diary of an 1880s English boy who was clairvoyant and didn't know it. And so he would see dead Uncle Henry and fairies and elves. And he would see people's auras and people's um, loved ones in spirit right over their shoulders. And people were aghast. You know, some people judged him and said, you're not right in the head. And others said, tell me what else you see. So he had an amazing life. And this is true. It's his actual diary. And it's really funny. And I would share that with some kids I told stories to. And afterwards, one little boy came up, <laughs> came up to me and said, Mr. Harry, it's true. All those things are true. And magic is real if you'd only just believe. I said, I agree. Saw him on the playground three years later. I said, do you remember that day you came up to me and said, magic is real if only you just believe? He said, I'm 11 now. <laughs> I'm so much more mature. So much mature. Yeah. Don't believe okay. it at all. So, nah, that's Harry, if, if we wanted to listen to your YouTube channel, tell us the name of it again. Oh, sure. <laughs> Holy Mackerel Moments. And be and sure how- to add the moments or you'll get fish videos. <laughs> Mac- how, often, how often do you put out episodes? I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't have a schedule. I, I kind of get guided. I, I'm doing it for a year and I have done eight so it's not like very frequently but when it comes it's you know i make it as good as i can and you the, people might also want to search my name which is not as easy to remember as holy mackerel moments but you're apt to get my channel which has all the videos in one place whereas holy mackerel moments you kind of have to scroll down and go there's harry oh there's there's a mackerel in the ocean oh there you know <laughs> <laughs> My name is Harry, H-A-R-R-Y, Hart, H-A-R-T, hyphen, Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E. Harry, thank you so much for being on That Some Crazy Shit. I enjoyed the stories. Um, You know, we'll definitely encourage our listeners to go and check out the YouTube channel. It sounds really fun. Thank you. And I'm going to encourage my listeners and viewers to check out your really fun podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. I Before can't believe we leave, Harry, done. I'd like huh? to invite yeah. you back. Really? Yippee. I think, I thought, yeah, I had a good time. I'm sure Kelly would like to listen to more stories too. Kelly. Oh, yeah, I love a good story. Yeah. I love a good story. So that's why I said, tell us another one because we could just, <laughs> I could just listen to them all day. You are a fantastic storyteller. Oh, man. Thank you. You are so welcome. Day. 
<laughs> well, good fortune to you. Onward and upward. I think, you know, we're all doing our parts and we're pointing out crazy shit, magic in life, raising the vibes to get to a better place. So you're my comrades and I'm glad we're on this journey together, as it were. Yeah, we're not alone. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. Thank you. Now, am I am I correct in saying that we were his first podcast? We were his first one. We were his first when he said when he reached out to us to be on the podcast, we were his first screen call ever. And just recording with him, yes, we were his first podcast, which you I know, hope was a positive experience for him and that he'll keep doing it. Well, I think I think he did a good job for being, you know, first time. Yeah, he's a great storyteller. Oh, I absolutely really loved his stories. I could listen to stories like that all day. It just really makes me believe that there are no dinks. And I want to give you an example of why I believe that, right? So this is going to be kind of my random bullshit. We can talk about synchronicities, right? So I was... I got up to go to work, even though I work from home, right? So I got up, I'm up. Every time when I get up in the morning, I put on my headphones and I listen to affirmations. I wake up every morning, I meditate, and then I get out of bed and I just listen to like 20 minutes of affirmations. So I'm listening to this affirmations and when it's over, the video that was right behind it was this 12 minute video about what you should do with your money or investing your money or something like that. Whatever it was, it caught my attention, probably because it was short. It was 12 minutes. And sure, why not? I'm not doing anything. I'm waiting for the coffee to brew. So I listened to this guy talk and he's talking about investing your money, that your money that's sitting in your in your savings account isn't doing anything for you. It's just worthless paper. It's doing nothing. If you want your money to do something for you, you got to do something with it, like invest it. And he said, most people who are wealthy will take that paper and go make it into something tangible. Stocks, real estate, whatever. They'll invest it. And that that's kind of the, what was, the video was about. And I thought, well, you know, dude, I don't know what to invest in. That's what I thought to myself after the video was over. Great advice, don't know what to invest in. Left it alone. Today, I'm talking to my niece, Marcelle, and we're having a conversation. And she's like, hey, my friend just told me about this stock to invest in. You should invest. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, no shit. And she's like, yeah. So I looked up the stock. It's a fairly new company. Uh, They make electric cars. The stock was like 12 bucks a share. Just so happens just so happens I had gotten an email reminding me that I have a dormant E-Trade account. Oh, hey. Okay, so hold on. Let me let me catch the listeners up then. You're thinking about investing. Marcel, your niece, says, hey, I have a... First, I get the... Vi- I wasn't even thinking about investing. I saw the video. Okay, well, that triggered it. Right, that the triggered video. it. And then the call, and then your E-Trade account reminds you that you have one. Right. So I go to the E-Trade account. I have like $116 in there, which I had completely forgot about, mind you, right? And I buy like 10 shares of this stock. 
but it was kind of funny because it was all very, it just kind of worked out. It was all very, uh, what's it, synchronicity? Synchronized. Yes. So, yes, I don't believe any of that was a coinkadink. I know, huh? And when people, oh, yeah, it was was a coincidence. No, too many, too many factors. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of cool. And it's funny because the more and more that we do this podcast, we find ourselves having synchronized moments. I know. James, I am literally starting to read your mind. I know. And it's pissing me off. You got to at least let me say what I'm thinking. I am sorry. You know, serious. Because <laughs> there's sometimes I'm going to tell you shit and then you tell me, and I'm like, well, you fucking let me say it first. So at least I like I'm participating. Well, I am sorry, but I just wanted to share that was my, that's some crazy shit moment. I just thought that was a weird moment that happened today. You are the first to know about it. And you shared it with our listeners. And I shared it with the listeners. Otherwise, I think we should just wrap it up. You can get us on our social media. What's the website? www.thatsomecrazyshitpodcast.com Dot com. Um, you can check out all of our social media because we are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and even a YouTube channel. Although the YouTube has no video, you can still listen to our awesome, awesome voices. And then you could like picture what we look like and then when we do do video you can say god damn james is as handsome as i thought he was that's what i would say see so you're right wait, dude. wait for it people you're wait yeah wait for it at any rate what do you think time to wrap it up do your all thing. right then until next time people keep your minds open <laughs>